Amen. Aren't you glad he's going to hold our hand? I don't want to take another step without him. I can't find the way alone. Amen. Did you enjoy that? Those choir, the young people singing. God bless them. We're going to miss them next weekend. They're going to be up in Oklahoma. And as well as uh, all the ministry will be gone, but me. <laughs> Our young people are all going to be gone, but me. <laughs> but anyway, we'll be having a great time, those of us that are here. We'll just look to the promises of God and to his word, knowing he'll hold our hand, that he'll guide us every step of the way. He'll never leave us fighting alone. He hadn't left us this far. He's been with us through many trials, tests. And he says, he made a promise to us, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Amen. God bless you in his presence today. Let's speak to him a moment. Lord Jesus, what a friend we have in Jesus. He's our counselor, our comforter, the love of our hearts. Lord, if we've ever done anything to offend you or offend your people, we we would be so sorry and regret it because all we want to do is love you and serve you with all our hearts. Lord, we have many failures along the way. We're humans. We make mistakes. We stumble. But Lord, you always are there as you told us through the prophet of God. If a man stumbles in the path of duty, then God's obligated to pick him up and set him back on the path again. Lord, we thank you for that. We're asking your blessings upon the word today as it goes forth, upon the hearers of the word, and that they would go out of here and become doers of the word. Ever need supply of your children, Lord. Pray that you'll bless us in, in a great way today. May when we walk out of this place, we can say, surely we have been in the presence of God. And in that presence, we were changed to be more like you, Lord. I ask it, Lord, in the name of Jesus, ever need you supply. Lord, the prayer request has went forth. Lord, you heard about Brother, Brother Claude Sigmund. Lord, I, I just can't believe you just sent him here for them to, to come here and, and just calamity strike. But I believe, Lord, that they've been hearing faith preached. And the word go forth in power. Lord, may it just strike down in their heart and turn over within their soul. I'm the Lord God that healeth thee. And Lord, when we lay hands upon them, that they shall recover. Ever need supply of your children today. Heal the sick among us. Lift up the discouraged. Lord, may the lost find their way, oh God, to the cross. And there... Find the pathway to glory. Lord, every need of your children, just supply, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. It's so grand to be a Christian, be a child of the Most High God. Amen. We're 
Going to miss our Canadian friends. They're going to be heading back to the cold north uh, here in tomorrow. I understand a long ways, 30-something hours of travel. And uh, only to turn around and bring a group back from, from up there to youth camp. So God bless them. Why, what, a, what soldiers. We need soldiers like that in this day. And those who encourage us along the way. We have friends here from Kentucky. We're happy to have you today. God bless you. And each one of you that have assembled with us, we pray God's richest blessings upon you in a very special way. And, and hey, there's the hunts over here. Welcome home. You belong here. Amen. Always in our hearts, even when you're not here. God bless you. Nice to have you today. Each one of you that have gathered in his name, may he bless you in a mighty way. Why don't we sing this song? I've got peace like a river. I got peace like a river. Yeah, ask mama what key. Amen. I want it in the right key. Well, I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river. I got peace like a river in my soul. service. Sarah Kate Conroy is going to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. One of our young ones, we are so thankful for God dealing with hearts and lives. Amen. To see them make a step toward Jesus just makes our heart glad. Amen. Aren't you glad to have a church and body of believers and ministry that can preach the word and see souls saved and young people come to Christ and Get a a real start on the right things. We heard a wonderful testimony the other day of Brother Brother Jackson, Sister Laura Burns. You know, their upbringing, their coming, and the drug life, the party life, the things like that. And to think God broke that cycle in their lives and they can bring up their children and nurture them in the way of the Lord. Teach them the right way. They don't have to live in a dysfunctional home. They can be under the atmosphere of the Holy Ghost. This is what it's about. So, well, you know, I don't need church. That's for the babies. Hey, we need the mature ones here to nurture. Show yourself mature enough to nurture the young ones coming on. To produce an atmosphere 
of holiness and righteousness to be guides along the way to direct people in the things of God. God bless you. Amen. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 18, verse 10. Appreciate you all this morning. Genesis chapter 18 and verse 10. I'm going to be speaking today on the Great Commission and rapturing faith. We're going to look here at this verse in verse 10, and we see here the Son of Man is speaking. Why do we call him the Son of Man? It literally means man of dust. And it's where God had come and walked among men, gathering from the 16 elements, made himself a body and stepped into it, along with two angels. And they come and visit Sarah and Abraham, and it will be, it will be a foreshadowing of one day where God will wrap himself in 16 elements in a virgin womb and be born a baby. But in this instance, it's not time for him to come that way. But he comes and makes an appearing to Abraham to to write a prophecy for the last day. It's more than a historical event. It's a prophecy that God is speaking. And he wants you to understand that God will again tabernacle human flesh in the last day. And that we will see the ministry of Christ and the ministry of apostles as it's manifested in the ministry of the Son of Man. Christ in bride form. So here we see the Son of Man. God is manifested in human flesh, appears to Sarah for a commission. And he commissions her to bring forth the promised son. So I want you to catch this. It's a commission to bring forth the promised son. Genesis 18, verse 10, and he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life, and lo, Sarah, thy wife, shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind him. God bless you. You can be seated. I'm also going to read some words from the scripture here. If you'll be turning over to Mark's chapter 16, Because when the Son of Man manifests himself in human flesh, as we spoke about, coming as Jesus Christ, and he has walked now upon the earth for 33 years, and he is about to conclude his visit to the earth that he has done in human flesh. So here, the ministry of Christ in in Jesus is now coming to its end as far as his earthly mission. And he appears to his disciples to give them the commission. And so again, we have, again, another appearing of Christ. He has died, buried, rose again. And now in his appearing, he comes and appears to his disciples to give them the last words before he leaves. And so he says in Mark 16, verse 14, afterwards he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and embraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart, which is what he does with Sarah, saying, is there anything too hard for the Lord? 
because they believed not them which had seen him as after he had risen. And he said unto them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven. I'm reading this so you'll know these are the last words as he gives the commission. And and he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, confirming the words with sign following. Now, Every one of them, like whether it be the Mark here or whether it be the book of Luke or the book of Acts that we're going to read from this morning, speaks about these last words of Jesus. Now, in, um, in Luke chapter 24 and 49, he will tell them, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but you tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. So, you know, there was, there's a little more to it than just go and preach. But I want you to wait until you're endued with power from on high because there's going to come an outpouring of the Spirit that will happen on the day of Pentecost. Now then, go with me to chapter Acts, uh, Acts chapter 1, rather, verse 3. And it talks about him raising from the dead to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion or after his death or his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem but wait for the promise of the Father, which he saith, ye have heard of me. Then verse 8, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. And so then we want to turn to Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, because it is here that the disciples are empowered to fulfill the great commission. Notice, they can't just go out and fulfill the commission. They have to be empowered. Same way with Sarah. She just can't go and bring forth the promised son, but I will return to thee according to the time of life. So it would be the, the, the overshadowing or the, the power of the most high that will bring this to pass. So verse one, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues or other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. 
And when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and dwellers in Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Pyria and Pamphylia in Egypt and in parts of Libya about Serene and, and strangers of Rome and Jews and proselytes and Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our language or in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying to one another, what meaneth this? And others mocking said, these are full of new wine. Stop there just for a minute. Judgment will come upon the Jews because of mocking the coming of the Holy Spirit. And as they do, they will be carried captive and dispersed throughout all nations. and, And they will be cut off for mocking the Holy Ghost. Remember, because they rejected that, they are dispersed. So it will happen with the Gentiles as a Laodicean church puts Christ on the outside of the church. And in doing it, they will be there because they have mocked the Holy Spirit. Because they have rejected his voice. Notice again, um, Peter standing up with the 11, lifted up his voice and said unto them, you men of Judea and all that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words, for these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see vision and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaids, I will pour out in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth beneath blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So now as we have looked at these scriptures together this morning to lay a foundation for what we are going to be speaking on of of, um, the great commission and rapture and faith. We, we know that, of course, we're at the end time. And what we saw back in the prophecy of Sarah and Abraham, and also in the prophecy that lays there um, of what Jesus spoke to the disciples of, as, uh, as told them there was a great commission, that the coming of the Son of Man, Christ to Sarah, was to fulfill the great commission that was given to Abraham, which had not been done. The bondswoman child did not fulfill it, nor could he. 
You see, neither has all of these denominations today fulfilled the great commission and the promised son which comes at the end. This is not come. Now, as we are looking at this, um, Genesis 15, verse 4, I want you to look at the original commission that was given to Abraham. Behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that come out of thy bowels shall be thine heir. By the way, he is speaking directly of Eliezer, the eldest servant in his house. And he is saying of him, He will not be the heir. But there's one coming out of your own bowels that will be your heir. I just want you to understand, uh, yes, Brother Branham heirs with us as a part of the bride. But understand, he is not the heir. The heir is the bride of Christ. So watch what he said, you know, because he has said, I go childless. And the one, one that's not even out of my own bowels is my heir, my servant, the eldest servant. And he said, and, he, and then God brought him forth and he said, abroad and said, look now toward the heavens and tell the stars that thou be able to see them or number them. And he said unto them, so shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. So this was a commission to Abraham and now was being reconfirmed to Sarah. And of course, now she is to finish Abraham's commission. Amen. And we are now to fulfill and finish the great commission. For, we, for when we find the last seed, somebody help me now. And when we find the last seed and they too become a witness of the power of the Holy Ghost, it is then Jesus, the promised son, will come. Now, if you look with me to Matthew 24, verse 14, Jesus said, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached into all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Stop right there. Brother Branham is insistent all the way to the end of his ministry that this has not been fulfilled. That means it has to be fulfilled for the end to come. How many wants the end to come? How many wants the rapture of the church? How many wants the dead in Christ to rise? Then what do we, we find? Then the gospel must be preached unto all the world for a witness to all nations, and then shall the end come. Now, last Sunday, we showed how the great commission must be fulfilled because now the seals is open, so the word has been revealed, the book has been opened, that which was open to Paul, mysteries that were understood in the first age have now been revealed or uncovered rather, unveiled again, took the, take, took the heaping of stones and uh, off of denominationalism, off of lost truth, and now it has been revealed back to the church again. Now, so again, so now only now, listen, Wesley couldn't do it. Luther couldn't do it. Azusa Street couldn't do it. They could not take the gospel to the world. It had not been restored. I'm trying to say something. 
That means the burden lays on us. Amen. Not just in word, but in power. Understand, it's not the gospel until it comes in power. Signs have to follow them that believe. Now, so Brother Branham tells us in the invisible union, again, this is one of the last things imparted to the church. He tells Brother Jack Moore, I, I'm going to preach a message to my followers, the people who believe me. I'm going to preach this to them. You know, pardon me, you know, for stepping into your pulpit and doing it, but you're giving me a lot of liberty, and I'm taking liberty now to preach a sermon to my people. And he said, we know the modern church in its present condition and its present state is in no condition to finish up the great commission that God gave the church for this day. How many Pentecostals can say amen to that? So, right, we are oneness, twoness, this, that, fight, this, afraid to face the word right down to the test. They know you can tell them about it, and I can't help it. I can't believe that. I don't care what he does. In other words, no matter what kind of miracles, what kind of discernment, what kind of vindication, I don't care what he does. You see, it shows what mammy and papa you have. You might be a state presbyter someday. You might be this, that, or the other. You know, that, that's what's held out as the carrot. You can be a great man in our organization. But he said, you better be a son of God. Then he said, in closing and saying this, finish up the Great Commission. How could they do it? We know they're dead. He said, God let it die in this scientific age, all of it, so he could open up the seven seal mystery to the undenominational bride. How can a denomination accept those seven seals, which is absolutely contrary? A serpent seed and all these other things, a whole full seven mysteries is contrary to what they've been taught because it took the old school from the Bible school. And the seven seals of God, when it was opened there on the mountain, no, let me, let God, no, let me die right now at this pulpit if that ain't the truth. I foretold you a year and six months before it happened and he told me go to Arizona and what would happen out there in the desert and there's men sitting here tonight was, was standing right there and present when the seven angels came down and the Life Magazine packed the article of it right, it's right there in their observatory, everything and they don't even know what it's about. And everything, even to the destruction of California coming up now and all these other things and how I told them how many days it would be and how it would be where this great big earthquake happened in Alaska. That was March 27, 1964. How it would be the beginning of the sign of time and what would take place and just word by word what it said. And it's never failed one time. You've never seen it fail because, and it can't fail because it's God's words and heaven and earth will pass away, but it can't fail. That's right. So, Again, in the next service, he comes along, and I'm going to read it too, where he says, it'll take Mark 16 to call a bride out. For you cannot, let me just emphasize some things, you cannot be the bride of Christ without fulfilling the great commission. Now, 
That's the only way Sarah can be mother of the promised seed was fulfill the great commission given to Abraham. And the only way we can be the bride of Jesus Christ completed by the marriage of the lamb is by fulfilling the great commission. Again, this is, I have heard and now I see, and Brother Brandon said, everybody knows we have a promise of the church condition in the last day. The church in its present condition can never fulfill the commandments of God. The great commission could never call the bride out. Which one would do it? Uh, The Pentecostals, I should say not. Not one, none of the rest of them. That's the shuck that's on the wheat that come out and look just exactly like the wheat, but there's no wheat to it. It opens up, but the grain comes out of that. They organize. They kill themselves. That's where they die. They are stalks. But the wheat has to come up through there, from through there, and now it's beginning to form in the bride form. The corn of wheat that fell into the ground to the dark ages, it had to die. So you see, it's the undenominational bride who the seals have been revealed to. And they are the ones to fulfill the great commission. That's who I'm speaking to this morning. The people of the book must fulfill the commission to take the land that belongs to the book. Every promise of God. Are you with me? Now, so this commission returns her to the bride age. To do this, Sarah has to come, become pregnant, and, and so must the bride. Is that right? Amen. There, there has to be a, a message that comes that starts a change within Sarah. And so must it be with the bride. She must actually become pregnant with the word. What's now? In Christ's mystery, Brother Brandon said, remember now, we are now, as his bride, pregnated with the Spirit. Oh my, the church bearing his children, see, pregnated by his Spirit with his name. Bearing his name, bearing his life, bearing forth the signs of his life, evidence with preeminence, evidence of the resurrection, showing he's not dead, but he's alive forevermore. This is eternal life and vindicated, vindicates to the world that we are alive in him. So you see, the bride must be pregnant with the word. And if it's a child of the word, it'll be a Mark 16, tongue speaking, Acts 2.38, youngin, come on. Because that's the only kind the word can bring forth. The child of the word must look and act like the second Adam. Now, The coming of the message to Sarah was to fulfill the great commission of the promised son. And and, and again, you know, that great commission returns to her. It returns to her to make her the bride she was when Abraham first married her. That old woman, I want you to think of this, changed to be young again. Insomuch that this 90-year-old was desired by a king. 
So I want to go over that for a minute. Do you know that the great commission of the promised son that she was to fulfill, it, this commission returned her to being the bride that she was when Abraham first married her. It turned her back to her youth again. Come on. Even so, the coming of the Son of Man is to fulfill the great commission so as to bring the end, the gospel of his kingdom must be preached to all the world for a witness to all nations and shall the end come. And to do so, the bride must return to being the young bride that she was at Pentecost in order to bring forth the promised son. So this is the age in which the true church returns to being the bride she was at Pentecost. So of course we know then there must be of necessity be a return of dynamic power. Now, Brother Branham told us the latter rain. Let's talk about it for a moment. I preached about it last week. But he told us the latter rain would not be what the Pentecostals were looking for. To close the heavens that it rained not and plague world governments and, and, and so on like that as Moses and Elijah did. You know, Elijah stopped the rain. Amen. You know, there, there he took and killed all the false prophets and, you know, did, did miracles and signs before Moses comes along and plagues uh, Pharaoh until he lets God's people go. That is not the bride's ministry. Remember, that happens, we'll repeat, under the two witnesses to the 144,000. So, no, we won't have what the Pentecostals are looking for. But we should expect a people that is standing under the blood with the mind of Christ and speak a word of creation for the third pull and its opening of the word is based on Mark eleven twenty two. Now I want you to look at this with me. Mark eleven twenty two. Jesus said, have faith in God. Brother Branham says to us, have perfect faith. That this age has required a greater faith, a rapturing faith. He says, for verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Now, God made certain that we understood this scripture was to be made manifested in, th in the third phase or the third pull where the word is revealed. We know that third pull is the opening of the word. And so God made sure that we understood that this scripture would be what it was based on. So the third phase of the word coming to the bride is based on this scripture. A people who take the word and believe it so much that whatsoever thing they desire, they believe they receive it 
and they shall have it that if they say to this mountain, be moved and be cast into the sea, it shall be done even as they said. We're talking about the church of the last day now. We're talking about the people with the faith and the commission. God hiding himself in simplicity, Brother Branham told us to do this. In order to fulfill the scripture, you have to get away from your own thoughts. You have to let the mind that was in Christ be in you. You have to stay there till every sin of fear, every sin of doubt is gone from your heart. And if you're there and God doesn't take you and admit your sins and send you in the presence of God, there's something wrong with your experience. I don't care how many degrees of doctors you have, how big a church you are, what kind of big wheel you belong to, or how many organizations, whatever it is, has nothing to do with that until your sins are confessed and in the blood of Jesus Christ and you stand unadulterated, a born-again son and daughter of God with the life of God in you to speak a word of creation, let this mountain be moved and it'll mind you. God revealing himself in humility. He picks up them kind that has no education. He picks up them kinds that will just believe that. I thank thee, Father, creator of heavens and earth, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and the prudent. Hallelujah. That we look upon him and we see, we, we see him smitten and stricken of God, but that he was wounded for our transgressions. Amen, that the Clorox came, the, the, he was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement upon, of our peace was upon him with his strife. We were healed. What did he do? He humbled himself to death on Good Friday afternoon that he might rise Sunday, uh, Easter Sunday, to send back the Holy Spirit upon the church with a double portion of it that we might do the same things that he did. Amen. He, he promised these signs. I'm giving you the commission again. These signs will follow them that believe. And how far we get away from it by our traditions. There you are. Our traditions. But I want you to understand. You're no longer like Adam was with a chasm between you and God. So, well, we're on the other side of the chasm. No, it's even greater than that. He did away with the chasm. There's not even a remembrance of your past and your sins. And you stand pure under the blood. Hallelujah. Hallelujah with authority to speak the word of creation. This is where God has placed you, the authority that he's given his church. Now, in perfect faith, Brother Branham says this. I want you to get the word perfect faith, not just a faith, but a perfect faith. This, this bride in this last day has required a greater faith than other ages, a rapturing faith. Somebody with me? Let's hold the thought now. You know, he, he tells us over and again, and we'll read some of it maybe this morning. I, if I can't get the church to even believe for divine healing, 
and have faith for that. How am I going to get them to believe for a complete body change? It's going to take a greater faith. And faith is based on forgiveness because I'm forgiven. The blood has taken care of the past. Amen. It's taken care of my first birth. Listen, you cannot speak a word of creation under your first birth. But as an amateur God, as a son of the living God, you can stand there with divine authority and speak to that mountain. So faith is based on forgiveness. And as we said this morning, trying to get the church into the place. Here's my goal. Here's what I'm trying to do. Get the church into the place where we could really see apostolic times moving among us. That's what we all hunger. And it's just laying right at the door. I want to just say we're here. We see it, he said. And I want to say, we see it. Hallelujah. We can give testimony after testimony. We see it. We see it. We see it. But he said, we want to see more of it. We want it to flow out that it'll be a help to us and flow out to others. Come on, the evening light. That's what we want to be. We want to be a light in the evening time that it flows out to others. Amen, that God is still God and he's still living in his people and he's still manifesting his glory and demonstrating his power. But you know, too many are looking at it while the rain's all over. It concluded with our prophet. You see, he was our last sign. Sure, it's the last sign before the bride coming. Come on. It's the last sign before the bride coming. A prophet had to appear on the scene before Christ could come in bride form. So sure he was the last sign before the bride comes. But you, my beloved children, you are the last sign. Hallelujah, that's who you are. You are the last sign. You are God's sign on display with a great commission. These signs shall follow them that believe. But I want you to understand, the latter rain does not conclude with the prophet, but with the bride. As he pours out his spirit, because I'm going to show you, it crescendos with the dynamic power that changes our bodies, resurrected the dead, and transports the bride into the heavenlies. What in the world am I telling you? I'm telling you, you haven't seen nothing yet. Hallelujah, the display of God that we talk about and what happened under the prophet's ministry, you ain't seen nothing yet. Divine healing, you ain't seen nothing yet. Just wait till my hair turns back the right color. The wrinkles go out of my face. 
Christ. Devil, we're not through with you. You haven't seen nothing yet. You're about to be defeated by a woman. There's a woman gonna give you a licking and defeat death itself. She'll be standing on her feet, chased in a moment and a twinkling of an eye. Such a defeat that he'll be cast out of the heavens as we go up, as we ascend, he comes down. He falls, he's thrown down by a bride and power. The full heavens that Adam once ruled from, this bride will rule. Mark eleven twenty two. This was exactly what Adam did in the beginning. The bride does this in the end time. Listen. Go back and listen. Brother Brandon said, if you miss it, come listen to this tape. And he tells of the purpose of God, what God was doing, all down to the ages. It's in a message called Christ the Mystery. That message was to show us the seventh seal of his coming. And his coming that would be would be in bride form before the meeting in the air. Let's don't do away with the meeting in the air. That's the believer's hope. Amen. But before he comes in the, and we meet him in the air, he's manifest in his fullness in bride form. She will be the fullness, shall I say, she is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Every word that spoke of the bride down to the ages will be manifested in her. Actually, every word that was spoken of the groom will also be manifested in the bride as, as, as it is applied in bride form. Now, so you see, you see um, as he preached that sermon, he, he told us that all that God was, he poured into Christ, and all that is in Christ is poured into church. As every scripture and every type pointed to the coming of Jesus 2,000 years ago, but now every scripture and type points to a bride coming of Christ. And that before Jesus comes, there will be a bride on earth that matches the groom coming from heaven. As I explained the other day, it's the marriage of the lamb. Species has to marry species. There has to be a lamb and lamb ministry on the earth to match the lamb coming from heaven. Now, otherwise, you would have a lamb marrying a goat or a lamb marrying a donkey or a lamb marrying a, a failure of a mule. He can't do it. Species must marry species. So there has to be a lamb on earth, a bride who exactly matches the lamb that was here 2,000 years ago. Except this one, he's not, He's taken them through Calvary, but he's not taken them to Calvary. He's taken, he has taken them through Calvary all the way to a rapture. 
Now, so there, because every person has to have their own dying out to self. But now notice here, there has to be a bride on earth that matches the groom coming from heaven. Even as Adam's bride was hidden inside of him, so God hid the bride in the scripture, the mystery of the bride. It was hidden in women like Sarah, women like Esther, women like Rebecca. Amen. Even men like Enoch. Amen. Men like Noah. All the way down, men like Jesus. God manifested in flesh. God manifested in your flesh. Amen. Well, you know, whatever it is, you know, whether it be Peter walking on the water. Amen. Sometimes the word will say, come, and you'll follow him, and you'll get your eyes on other things, and you fall. But God don't leave you there. Remember, Peter. Amen. Get your eyes back on me, on Christ. Amen. Get your eyes back on Jesus. Look away from your storms. Get your eyes back on me. He will pick you up and you'll walk on water twice. Some of you walked on water once and you failed and don't lay there and drown. Come on. Scream out, Master, save me. I perish. He'll reach out a hand to you and lift you up and you'll walk on the water twice. You see, you've got to look at the scripture. They are telling, Jesus said, search the scriptures. He said to the denominational, the Pharisees, in them you think you have eternal life. Joel Osteen thinks he has eternal life in those scriptures. But they are not testifying of them. They're testifying of you. Now, Joel can believe some of them and see it manifest in his life. But it was for you. The blessings are for you. All those blessings that he talks about is your blessings. Amen. Ishmael was getting a lot of blessings because he was in the camp of Abraham. He was born in the camp. He was, he was part of that movement until he mocked. The blessings of a son was placed on him. The love of a father was placed on him. The care of the tribe was placed on him. Listen, you don't get amazed and say, well, they get blessed out there. Sure they do. You know, whatever they, their faith can believe in, they can have that. They can have faith for Cadillac, they can have a Cadillac. So can you. Amen. They can have faith for a new job, so can you. If they can have faith for blessings, so can you. Listen, it's not just for them. These are for you, the blessings that lays in the word. Whatsoever thing you desire, when you pray, you believe, you receive them, and you shall have them. Well, they get healed in their meeting. I heard of a woman getting healed, you know, and, and Joel's mother got healed of, of breast cancer, and oh, she, you know, or, or whatever cancer it was, she was healed of it. Sure, they get healed. But it's for you. 
It's the rain falling. Whether you're just or unjust, whether you're in the word or out of the word, whether you're bride or foolish virgin, it's the rain falling. But it's your rain. It's your anointing. Hallelujah. It's your time to rejoice. It's not just theirs to rejoice over. It's your time of rejoicing. So, as God hid Eve in Adam and brought her out of him to express what was bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh, God hid the bride in the word down to the ages, Old and New Testament. Fact of the matter is, he says, as the groom fulfilled the Old Testament, so does the bride fulfill the New Testament. I got to preach a little bit. I got to preach this a little bit. Come on, Mary Magdalene. Out of whom has been cast seven devils from seven church ages. (laughs) Come on. Hallelujah. Come on, woman who was caught in adultery in the very act of adultery. And the one who could have condemned you and sent you to hell didn't do it. But wrote there on the ground exposed the enemy and forgave you of your sin and said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin. Don't disbelieve anymore. They are they that testify of me. Search the scriptures. They didn't change the clock. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) They didn't change the clock. (laughs) So the bride was hidden in Adam. He put her to sleep. He put him to sleep. For God to bring her out. So Christ the groom. There has to be a bride come forth from him. She will be a word bride. She is a manifestation of all the fulfillings of all the revelations. That others spoke of the bride. You know if she does something different. Than from Christ the groom. And his word, it isn't the bride because she's flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone and life of his life and power of his power. She is Christ. But in bride form. She's anointed one of this day. This is why the angel had to come back and include Sarah. The seed couldn't come without her. As Adam and Eve were one, She took the feminine spirit from him, making her, or he took the feminine spirit from him, making her both mechanics and dynamics, flesh and spirit, and so is the bride. The restored word, let me say some things here. The restored word did not come to make new churches. 
that we call message churches. The restored word came to take on flesh. Christ must be in bride form. That's why the bride is a word bride. She came from Christ. The spoken word, the original seed. So must she be the word having come from him. Now, today, some see his presence as we talk about his presence in the form of son of man as he appeared to Sarah as he walked the shores of Galilee and again in this last day. And some see his presence only manifested in a prophet. And the word coming to him and, you know, the Perusia movement proclaimed he's here. He's here. And they believed that pivotal point had come with seven angels bringing the mysteries of God to a prophet. And they can actually see and understand Revelation 10, 1, the descending of the mighty angel Christ. But some of them proclaimed the coming was over right then. But it wasn't. The coming had only gotten started. Amen. What was that? It was the shout. Amen. Listen, the Bible said in Revelation 10 that he cried with a loud voice. He wasn't snotting. He wasn't weeping. You didn't have to hand him a handkerchief. He was shouting with a loud voice. Somebody with me? Parallels, it parallels 1 Thessalonians 4. And the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. So that's part of his coming. It was God's word coming to a prophet. The word coming to a messenger. Amen. And that, that message was proclaimed or shouted out. Oh, well, why not come like the denominationals looking for him? You know that he splits the eastern sky and he shouts and there's a voice of an archangel and trumpet of God and we all go up in heaven. Why not come like they think? Well, ask yourself, why? Why did he have to come in word form first? There was no bride to take into heaven. We only had denominational women. Sarah wasn't ready. Her faith wasn't there. Somebody help me preach. So why did he come in word form first? Because there had to be a word to turn the hearts of the children back to the faith of the fathers. So there had to be children's heart that was turned back to faith again like Sarah's heart had to be turned back to believing again. Somebody with me? So first comes a message. The word coming to a prophet. And when he proclaimed the message, seven thunders uttered their voices. And the voice of God came to a prophet. And we heard the shout to the seventh angel's message. And it finished the mysteries of God. Restored what Paul had brought. All the truths of predestination, eternal security of the rapture, of the, of, the, of the baptisms that Peter taught on the day of Pentecost and one God, all this, it was restored. Are you with me? Plus the mysteries that had been reserved for this age of how we got to where we are today, coming down through seven ages 
and how it got distorted and how that there's been the canker worm, pommel worm, caterpillar and locust, but it come in the form of a white horse and a red and a black and a pale. As the enemy went riding to conquer the church, Amen. But in this day and hour, the mystery was revealed of what the Antichrist did to show us our names are in the book and that we are the mystery of that book. Hallelujah. And restore to us the truths of that book. Same thing he does with Israel. He brings them back to their promised land. The people of the book return to the land of the book. That's the same thing God does for us in this day. The people of the book return to the land of the book. Every promise. So you see, it had to come word first. The word had to be restored. So it begins with a shout, a mighty message. It's not just shouting. It's not just screaming. That's not it. It is saying something. It's a message. Yes. And it comes and revealed through the seventh angel, amen, where that what was reserved for this age could now be revealed. Now we can come back to being the bride. We were at Pentecost. Yes. And it finished the mystery of God. It broke the silence with the opening of the seventh seal. It reveals the seven mysteries, those seven mysterious symbols of a rider of death whose horse changed from white to red to black and finally pale. He showed us the souls under the altar, the multitude without number, and the 144,000, and the judgments under the sixth seal. And the seventh seal broke the silence on his coming. But I want you to get, understand something. It does not stop with the shout. And that's been the mistake that many people have made. They denominated on that by putting a period. This is what God did. And they have built denominations around the message on God sending a prophet. And we're no better than the Pentecostals who went around Acts 2 and 4 and Acts 2 and 4 and Acts 2 and 4 and didn't go into the land. And we went around Malachi 4, Malachi 4, Malachi 4 rather than going into the land. The revealing of the mysteries to a prophet shouting out vindicated truths is just the first phase of his coming. The rapture, we learned, was it, it was not a moment twinkling an eye event. That's the body change. The rapture or his coming is a progression. It starts with the prophet bringing his message, calling out of people. Listen, if, if Revelation 18 didn't take place of a voice coming saying, come out of her, my people, there would never be a virgin for Christ to marry. They would all be in the Horus system. But he can only bring his word through a virgin. Remember the prophecy is a virgin shall conceive. It's a prophecy. And the bride has to be born just like him of the spoken word. 
of a supernatural birth. It's not another manhandling. It's not another denomination. It's not another thing of theology. So someone must, listen, it has to progress from the shout to the voice of the resurrection. Now this is what Brother Branham tells us and it is the rising of the sun of a bride coming of Christ. Because he's already come in groom form 2,000 years ago. We're to meet him in the air, but there has to be a people prepared to meet him. The marriage of the Lamb has come. What if there's nobody prepared to meet him? But there has to be a bride make herself ready. Well, how are you going to make yourself ready with, with, how, with the truths of the Bible obscured, which is the clothes to dress the bride in? How are you going to meet him in the garments of the filthy rags of denomination, of creeds and dogmas of men? Somebody with me? Amen. I know some of this may be elementary, but I want to say it so elementary that even our young people can follow it. Not because they're dumb, but because they're just now learning. Some of them just got to the age of maturity where they're starting to understand. Some of them just got the Holy Ghost where they can understand. So you see, someone's got to be the voice of the resurrection. What resurrection? Well, sure, the voice that Christ is alive. But the voice of Christ being alive in bride form. Think of what I'm saying. Because even as Christ went into the grave and was there for three days, so through the church ages, the bride was put in the tombs of, a, of denominationalism. I just quote Brother Branham in true, true Easter seal. He said, I had a Baptist tomb. Some of you had a Presbyterian tomb or a Catholic tomb or whatever, but you were sealed away dead come on that's what you were in you were sealed away but in this day Christ broke the seals hallelujah and freed the dead and raised up a bride and now she can say I am the one that was dead but now I am alive forevermore and I have the keys to death and hell. I will overcome Satan's evil. Now, so the bride, not only, not only is the shout promise, but the voice of the resurrection showing Christ is alive the same yesterday, today, and forever until it crescendos or climaxes, makes its apex, reaches its zenith with the dead in Christ rising. The bride must prophesy again. If you just stop and look at Revelation 10 and stop with verse 7, you missed half of what the angel's doing. The same angel that took the book, the open book, and reveals a mystery to the prophet is the same 
angel that comes to John who represents or types the bride and says, take the little book and eat it. In other words, digest what has been given. And he said to me, thou must prophesy again before many people and nations and tongues and king. What? This gospel must be preached to our nations. And then shall the end come. Oh yeah, some of it's bitter. Parts of it is really sweet. I just tell you, keep it down. I don't care if you don't like parts of what Brother Branham said, keep it down. Digest it. Let it burn within you until you can prophesy to the bones. Can they live again? Can the dead of the seven ages rise? Will they, be, will they always stay in the grave? Will there always be dust and fragments of bones scattered upon the earth? Is that the way it's going to be forever and ever and ever and ever? Has been for seven ages. Will it always remain there? Will the church always be like Sarah, barren, 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 barren? Hope after hope after hope, revival after revival, only to be disappointed. Brother Branham says, and what was the, is the Holy Ghost given for? If you feel the least tug, don't turn it away. What is the Holy Ghost God in you? What is it for to continue his work among his people, to bring his church together, to bring a church to a place in this day far beyond a Lutheran, Methodist, and Pentecostal into a place to adoption and a rapture and grace that when this part of the church, when the spirit moves in this church here, it'll just raise and it'll bring forth and bring forth all all the redeemed that's been touched by the spirit. The Lutherans who stood there with all the light that they had in justification, those Methodists that fell on the floor and they threw water in their face from the spirit striking them through sanctification, those Pentecostals that walked up and down the the streets and they called them tongues, demons and, and jabbers and goose language and all of that, they'll stand in the righteousness in the sight of God at that day just as soon as the Bible stands here. If you don't believe me, if you believe me to be a servant, you call me as prophet, I don't call myself that, but you listen, I'm telling you in the name of the Lord that those that are in Christ will God bring with him at his coming, at the resurrection and only those that are in Christ. What? Amen. When the power in this church rises, it'll bring its brethren. Do you realize then they're waiting on you? No wonder Paul would say there's a whole cloud of witnesses in the grandstand. And they're everyone saying, we ran our race, we did it, so can you. So let us run. It's your time to run. It's your time to fulfill all scripture. Come on, you gotta come to the prophet in the water and say to him, it behooves us to fulfill all scripture. That's why we have to have the power of the Holy Ghost to go forth. Entering into the third pull, the opening of the word, the revealing of the mysteries. 
which we know now was a word coming to a prophet. But God was showing the power that lays in the word. Untapped resources that we have not even barely skimmed the surface of. And it's all based on Mark eleven twenty two, a power that can create squirrels. So power of creation. A power that can speak lost life to lost children. So power of salvation. A power that can speak life to a dead fish. So power of resurrection. A, a, a power that can speak to storms. A power over all nature. Amen. A power that can speak healing to a loved one. I'm talking about me to Branham with the tumor now. They're in Tucson, Arizona, and Brother Branham's in Jeffersonville, and there he spoke healing to his wife, transcending time and distance. Where a tumor vanishes 1,700 miles away, Not even on her faith, but his faith. Hallelujah. Don't, don't you see, even that with Hattie Wright, it wasn't even done on their faith. Those children were snickering and going on. It was on her faith. church, even Brother Branham speaking squirrels into existence, it was, it was not the squirrel's power to come into existence, it was Brother Branham's faith to anoint it to believe the impossible. And I'm talking about a bride in this last day, anointed to believe in the impossible. Question answers on the Holy Ghost. Had he right the other day, she didn't ask for nothing. She was just sitting there, but she said the right thing. See, your attitude toward the divine promise is what brings it to pass. That's why we want the right attitude to bring the right atmosphere. Because suddenly, because of her right attitude, then the atmosphere would be charged. That's why we try to get you to come into church in the attitude of worship from the front pew to the mezzanine all the way from the front to the back. Amen. What are we trying to do? Get you in the right attitude of worship to produce the right atmosphere. Amen. Where that when you have the right attitude and the right atmosphere, then you say through the word, it's nothing but the truth. And when you agree with the word, that it's your word, your truth, come on, it's for you that you can believe the impossible for your situation, then it'll move God on your behalf. Hallelujah. It'll say to you, I give to you your children. Hallelujah. Why? Because of a right attitude and a right that produces a right atmosphere. Hallelujah. Where souls come to the kingdom, where people who were not even seeking God, the Spirit of God falls on them and they repent. 
tell my kids, Brother Jim, they're so far away from God. They, they don't know how to even approach it. What about you? You have the approach to God. When you get in the right attitude, under the right atmosphere, created an atmosphere of faith, the demons that have held them can no longer hold them. whatever you want whatsoever you desire you believe it you pray you ask for it you will have it I'm not talking about the power of a Baptist word or a Pentecostal word I'm talking about the power that lays in the word that came to us by the opening of the seven seals You want to take that and just make it into a creed and a dogma, into a lecture, just a dry teaching. It's not a dry teaching. Oh. Let me see. I got it somewhere, did. But many times it's quoted. Oh, Brother Tim, supreme power with supreme deity in action. He's not screaming and running to aisles and jumping up and down. He's not shouting. Precious words came out of his mouth. Well, precious words came out of Hattie Wright's mouth too. That's nothing but the truth. But after those precious words came out of her mouth, <laughs> and Brother Branham says, I give you your children. He said there was a scream come out of that woman's mouth that had been heard for two city blocks. Amen. Brother Branham said, this is what happened when a super anointing came down. I'm talking about a super church, a super race with a super anointing. And when it came down, she screamed. Sometimes the anointing comes down, you sit there and weep. That's the anointing. Sometimes you just, just smites you in your heart. Amen, Lord. That's the anointing. Sometimes it rises up and you dance the aisles. That's the anointing. Sometimes you scream out glory to God. That's the anointing. It's just deity in supreme control. So anyway, he tells us this. Had he right the other day, she didn't ask for nothing. She's just sitting there, but she said the right thing. When it pleased the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit said, folk back and said, Hattie, Ask for anything you will, whatever you got, whatever you want. Find out whether this is real or not. Ask anything. Healing of her little crippled sister sitting there all drawn up. $10,000 to keep her from digging in them heels there. Youth restored to her well-run down body. Whatever you ask, you ask right now. If it don't come and 
give it to you right now, then I'm a false prophet. That's something, isn't it? Jesus said, say to this mountain, you've heard what's been taking place. That's the ministry we are entering into. We're way up the road now, soon the coming of the Lord Jesus, and we've got to have rapture and faith in a church that can be changed in a moment and a twinkling of an eye to go out or will not go. But don't worry. But don't worry. But don't worry. It'll be there. Come on, it'll be there. Amen. Oh, you see... Sometimes you look and say, can it ever happen? Don't worry. With all the confusion and the strife and the problem, can it happen? Don't worry. Oh, the shape my children are in, don't worry. The problem of sickness and illness in my body, don't worry. Come on, start believing. You'll never get anything by worrying. Oh, will they make it? Will my children make it? Will I ever be healed? Will I ever get over this back trouble? Will I ever, will I ever be well again? Will I ever, will I ever, will I ever? Come on! Don't worry! Start believing! It's for me! It's for my children! It's for my body! It's for the church! It's for commission! You gotta have faith in this hour! It requires a faith. Start confessing. My children are saved. My body is healed. Amen. My pockets no longer have holes in them. I'm going to be blessed in the country and blessed in the city. Blessed coming in and blessed going out. Amen. I'm going to be blessed because God does impossible math because God is more than able and his blessings upon me because I am a part of the pride of Jesus Christ who the blessings are for. Ooh, hallelujah. But you don't know how long I've been barren. You don't know how long my trouble's been. You don't know how faithless I've been. I don't care how many times you fell, Peter. Reach out your hand. Reach back to him and say, Lord, save me. I perish. Turn my heart back to believing again. I'll have to have another part to this. But let's get this part now. So he says, that's the ministry we're entering into. Will he come? It's the word. Well, sure it's the word. But in that word has power. Because the word is a person. When the word came to Brother Branham, did it come in a book? When it was there that day, he done looked in the books. Said, I was about to make a huge mistake. I looked in the books of what all these others had said, and I was just going to go out and say what I read in the book. 
But about that time, he, a person, came into the room. I want you to know the word we preach is not a book, it's a person. It is the Holy Ghost. It's the power of God under salvation. I might hand you a book. I might give you a seal book or church age book or hand you a Bible, but that's not what I want you to receive. I'm just letting you know about the author. But when you receive the Holy Ghost, you don't receive the book, you receive the person of the book. The author himself comes to live in you and live that word out of your life that you wasn't able to do, to believe what you couldn't believe. We're way up the road now, soon to come into the Lord Jesus. And we've got to have a rapturing faith in a church that can be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, to go out or we'll not go. But don't worry. It'll be there. It'll be there. And when the power of this church rises, when the power of this church rises, See where it's depending on? The power of this church rises. Watch. He says, it'll bring its brethren. (laughs) Amen. Do do we want to see the dead in Christ rise? Amen. It can only come with the power of this church rising. Amen, and when the power of this church rises, it'll bring its brethren. And then the power of that church rises, it will bring its brethren. The power of that church will bring the other brethren, and then there'll be a general resurrection. We're looking forward to it. And it all lays within the word and faith in it. Rapturing faith. Your commission to fulfill this. I know you might look at me like Mary and say, How can this be? How in the world could this be? I, I, I don't know a man. And he said, It won't be a man, it'll be the overshadowing of the Holy Ghost. That holy thing that is born in you will be of the Holy Ghost. You can look at yourself and say, how can you expect me to be this? I can't expect you to do it on your own. But I can expect him to do it because he prophesied it would be for this last day. Amen. Now, what about the bride now? Will she become that mighty army that Ezekiel saw? A people people who prophesy, speaking the word. Not only fulfilling Mark 16, but also Mark 11:22, For all scripture must be fulfilled. Turn around and look at your neighbor and say, all scripture must be fulfilled. 
So you see, Brother Branham saw in the bride, in, a, in the restoration of the bride tree, he saw her as a restored church possessing the enemy's gates. Seeing her as one that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. He describes her as a bride tree that four messengers of death destroyed the palm worm, the locust, the cow, caterpillar, the, the um, canker worm. But with four messengers of righteousness, she is being restored. So he goes all the way back and he says, justification brought the pulp. Sanctification brought the bark, doctrine of holiness. What brought back the leaf? Pentecostals, what is Pentecostals? Leaves, clap their hands, joy, rejoicing, Pentecostals. Now, some message churches don't want you to have any leaves. But how can you be a restored church without leaves? Amen, I've been looking at some barren trees because of winter. Amen, the bark has been there. The pulp has been there. Amen. But you know why that I'm rejoicing? Because leaves are coming on the trees. Hallelujah. I know the end of the summer is nigh. I know it's the time of harvest. I know it's the time of fruit. Life is coming in the body. It is a, it is a vindication. The rapture is at hand. Hallelujah. Amen. So we're not going to let some old canker worm come along or locust and eat off the joy off the tree. We're going to have joy. Amen. We want to be able to move in the winds of the Spirit. Lift our hands up and worship God. Come on. But he said the fourth was the Word itself. The Word made flesh. Fruits of the proof of the resurrection sign that Christ has finally, after justification been planted, sanctification been planted, baptism of the Holy Ghost, organizations died out, and now Christ has again centered himself like that in the cap of the pyramid. First line, justification, sanctification, baptism of the Holy Ghost, then coming into the cap. So the word has come to cap off the bride, the final mystery to the church. We have received the capstone message. We didn't need Coleman to come do it or Lee Vale to come do it. The capstone message came through Malachi 4. The capstone word with the proof of the sign of the resurrection. The youthful bride lost at Pentecost is back again and Brother Branham foreran her coming. I want you to get it. He's a forerunner. We've seen him as that. Well, he was going to forerun the coming word. Yes. But the coming word was to be in bride form. God didn't send a prophet to line you with more books in the shelf of theology. God sent a prophet in this day so the word could be digested and received and spoken again. Word comes on your lips and is an action in your life and you being the overcomer and the one who does the works of God. The works that I do, Jesus said, you shall do also and even greater than these. Because it's going to be now in bride form in a manifested body. 
Christ's mystery, Brother Branham said, quickened means made alive. His flesh, which is his body, and that's the word, has been laying there dead for years, but gradually has come to in the Reformation, and now she's standing on her feet. Oh, I wish I had time to go back in Ezekiel and pull out them dry bones and show you, can these bones live again? Prophesy. How can the prophecy come? Only through the prophet. It's the word of the Lord. Hear ye dry bones, the word of the Lord, and this new skin come upon them. And they stood up a mighty army and began to march towards Zion. Glory to God. He said, that's him. That's him, the victory. So his victory is not complete until we defeat death. You see, Christ, and I'm quoting from spoken word, his original seed, Christ was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. Now his body is to do the same. Because the body is the head and the body is together. If Christ is the head and is the word, his body, who is virgin born of the word, has to do the same thing that the head did. So you see, Christ is manifested to to destroy the works of the devil. This is why he said when the gospel is preached, you're going to destroy the works of the devil. In my name, you will cast Satan out. Come on. Amen. You'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. This is the word of God. This is the promise of the word. Notice now, so who is this son of man? People talk about son of man, son of man, son of man, son of man, son of man. Got whole doctrines built on it. Who is the son of man? It is the word in bride form. Where is the mighty angel? He come down. He opened up seven seals. Come on. Did he just go back in the heavens and that's it? Message is ended. It's over. It's fine. It's going. Whatever. We just become a message church and warm a few like every denomination is done. Just become good church members. Where is the mighty angel? Where is the son of man today? He has come to empower Sarah to crown her with perfect faith for a perfect rapture. Ah, Brother Tim, the message is about Brother Branham and ah, about how, how great a man he was and how great a prophet he was and oh, he was a word prophet and, and, and deifying him. Well, that deity spirit had people looking for him to raise up on Easter when he died and they looked for him to resurrect and come back for return ministry. But I want to tell you, God's object was never a prophet. No, his object couldn't be fulfilled without a prophet. But his object was not a prophet. No more than John the Baptist was the object in Jesus' day. Somebody help me preach. John the Baptist was not what God wanted. Just John the Baptist. He was wanting the word to become flesh. He was to introduce the Son of Man, Christ, God, in dust to give his life so God could be in more dust. (laughs) 
Hallelujah. Do you get it? Now you are the dust. Come on, son of man, prophesy. Son of dust. How can you speak a word of creation? By the Christ that is in me. By getting away from my own thinking and thinking like he thought. When you think like a God instead of a man, things are going to happen. Amen. Come on. When Brother Bradham spoke a word of creation and squirrels came into existence or spoke resurrection to a little fish or did all of these things, he was not speaking like a man. He was speaking like a son of God. He could do that because he knew who he was in Christ. And he placed the scripture. Mark eleven twenty two for you, your ministry. Amen. God's object was never a prophet. His object was to bring forth a word-born bride, a bride who would be born of the word, the message he brought. As the end times prophecies repeat, and I'm quoting Brother Branham, even as the first forerunner came from the wilderness and cried, behold, the Lamb of God, the the second forerunner will do the same by pointing the people to a word-born bride. Woo. Did you hear that? He would come along, and as Jesus said, or as John said, behold, the Lamb of God, he said, this forerunner would point to a word-born bride. A bride who would be born of the message that was brought, restored. Now, so the second forerunner points to a word-born bride. She is Jesus Christ in action. Upon the earth. She, under her messenger is the final voice to the final age. As Brother Branham said, the voice will be in the bride. You say, oh, Brother Branham was the voice of God. Sure, God used his voice to bring a message. But now you are the voice of God. Uh, That goes against all the deists because they only want Brother Branham to be that. But let me just tell you, Brother Branham said, told us, you can hear the voice of God in the wind. Said, I saw him in nature. He's in the church. He's in the individual. When a man and the spirit of God moves upon him and there's tongues in interpretation, that's the voice of God. When a man is preaching in the pulpit under the inspiration, that is the voice of God. Amen. But the voice of God is also lived through you. Little sister, it ain't always spoken either. But it's manifested in a holy life, in decency and in purity, in righteousness. Come on, church. It's there because you are the voice of God to defeat the devil. Mm. So the bride is the final voice under her messenger to the final age. Brother Branham said, the voice of God will be in her. United time and sign. 
God is getting the church together for a rapture to go to the wedding for a great union when God and man will unite for eternity, when creatures of time unite with the eternal. Woo. Did you hear that? God is getting the church together to be a rapture, to go to the wedding for a great union when God and man will unite for eternity, when creatures of time unite with the eternal. It was once done in the form of a son of man, the son of man on the earth. And he had to give his life to bring about a power to unite other men with the same power for the bride of Jesus Christ. So did you hear that? Jesus was a creature of time, united with the eternal in the form of son of man. And he gave his life in order that to unite other men with the same power so to be the bride of Jesus Christ. So how does it happen that sinful men could become the full expression of the word of God? Brother Branham tells us it's by blood. He compared it to bleach, which he called Clorox. And he said, you women, you use Clorox. He said, I got a tub of Clorox. If I drop a drop of ink into that bucket of Clorox, now try to find the color. What happened to it? The first thing it did, it hit the Clorox. That chemical was so great till it sent it all the way back. You can't even see fumes of it or nothing else. It's gone. It'll never be no more. Because it's turned back to the original place where it's come from. And now that's exactly what the blood of Jesus Christ does to sin. The blood of Jesus Christ, confess your sin upon the blood of Jesus Christ. It omits and puts in the sea of forgetfulness to be no more remembered against you at all. Now, where is the church today, brethren, if we're born to be sons of God? The Bible, Jesus said himself, in your own law, he said, you're gods, amateur gods with control of the earth. If they call them gods, who the word of the Lord of God come to, which was the prophets, the word of the Lord comes to the prophet, and you call them gods, how can you condemn me when I say I'm the son of God? Now, the blood of bulls and goats could give a power to Moses to go out there by commission of God and stretch forth his rod and say, let her come flies. That happened under the blood of bulls and goats. He had the word and he spoke that word. When he did it, he, it became God's thought, words of thought expressed. And so when God thought it, put it in Moses' mind, and he spoke it, it became a word. And then Moses turned around and went back, maybe not a fly in the country in an hour from then, maybe a little green fly began to buzz around, and a half an hour was 10 pounds per square yard. What was it? The creative word of God that was spoke by the lips of a mortal man. God uses men. God could have used the sun to preach the gospel, but God could have used the wind to preach the gospel, but God chose men to preach the gospel. And he said, what's the matter with the church today? There's something wrong. My opinion, we're not coming with that sincerity to do the right thing for that. If God could do that under the blood of bulls and goats and, and that only covered sin and made a perpetuation for the sinner, but the sin was still there, only covered over, what could he do with the blood of his son that omits sin, 
God is not manufactured, but he created a blood that takes away all sin. Now, coming to something right here. Moses' commission was to plague those Egyptian devils until they let God's people go. How many can say amen to that? Our commission under this blood is to cast out devils, lay hands on the sick, they shall recover, amen, you'll make serpents powerless, and the poison that Satan uses against you will be rendered powerless. Hallelujah. Let me just say, you serpents, there's a power in this bride that will render your poison harmless. Hallelujah. And our commission is to cast out devils, make serpents powerless. Now look, when the apostles were given the first commission, Jesus started out with the first commission he gave his disciples. And he sent them out to go and preach the gospel. Go tell the good news. Go tell them the Messiah is here. After that, at Pentecost, they were to go and preach the gospel, tell them the good news that the, that the Messiah had come, the Messiah had now shed his blood, had remitted sin, had ascended into glory and sent back the Holy Ghost and would make you a witness of his resurrection. But now when the apostles followed his first commission, Luke chapter 10, verse 18, and he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Hey, this is the power of the gospel before the blood is shed. Come on. Now, after the blood is shed, is it less power or more power? Why is it more? Because now you stand as a sinless son of God covered by the blood Amen, able to speak a word of creation and he gives you power to tread on that serpent. Hallelujah, and on scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing, nothing. Is somebody with me? Have you went to sleep yet? You catch your hour later. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. Hallelujah, that's his first commission and that's what his second commission, his last commission was based on. Same thing, heal the sick, cast out devils. The poison ain't gonna hurt you. Amen, listen, let me tell you, the poison the devil has designed against you will be rendered powerless by the blood of Jesus Christ. The poison that Satan has put against this church to try to divide it, to destroy the ministry, to hurt the flock, amen, will be rendered powerless. That's what Satan on notice this morning. You'll not stop us. You'll not stop this ride. You'll not stop our worship. You'll not stop our joy. You will not stop our healing. You will not stop our salvation. You will not stop anything. Nothing. I 
tell you I am here as a son of God to tread on every devil, to put Satan under my feet, to be an overcomer, to rise up above it. Hallelujah. And that's something to rejoice about, isn't it? I rejoice when the sick are healed, when cancers are cast out, when devils leave our young people and old alike. I rejoice when I don't have to bring in and hybridize a message with, the, with denomination psychology to get them to live right. Come on, I rejoice. It's something to rejoice. I've given, been given power or to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power. What? Over all the power? Over all the power? You name it. Name your sickness. Name your problem. Name the situation. Is there anything too hard for God? Hallelujah. Is there anything in the power of this church that's too hard? Nothing shall by any means harm you. Can we rejoice? Can we rejoice? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus said, when this starts happening, I see Satan like lightning fall from heaven. What? He's cast out. What? Every time you take your position in Christ, what? Every time you cast him out, what? Like lightning, he falls from heaven. But I tell you what, he said, don't rejoice about just your casting out devils. Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not that spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names, your names, your names are written in heaven. Hallelujah, your name is written in heaven. Hallelujah. That's why we can rejoice this morning. Our names are in the Lamb's book of life. We were chosen, can never be unchosen. There ain't enough devils in hell that can take your name out of that book. You are called, you are faithful, you're overcomers, you've been prophesied of, and we're gonna be everything he prophesied of us. And it's not a new name written in heaven. Come on, choir up here. I want you to sing it. It's not a new name written in heaven. Uh-uh. It was written in there before the foundation of the world. God didn't just discover me because I've been good a week. He called me before the foundation of the world. Aren't you glad to be in this bride this morning? There's a name written in glory and it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. This is why I can rejoice. Come on, I don't care who sings it. Amen. You can join up there, David. Jump up there, anybody. Amen. You, come on, move, you move forward. Get up and sing. Don't matter. You, you, can, you got a right to sing. We all got a right to sing. Amen. We got a name written in glory, and it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. Hallelujah. I've been called. I've been ordained. I have been set apart. I am justified. Hallelujah. And it's mine.
could not get past my blame until he called my name. I'm so glad he changed me. Darkness held me down, but Jesus pulled me out. I am no longer bound.
your voice of thanksgiving. Hallelujah. He's been with you in the storm. He's been with you in the gloom and the darkness. Jesus is mine. Jesus is mine. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, Lord, we praise you. Oh, just lift your voice to him and say, Thank you. Thank you. That's right. Just thank you. Thank you, Father. You're with me. Never leave me. Never forsake me. Hallelujah. 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 Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I exalt thee. I exalt thee, Lord. I
song to be singing as we baptize right now, as we baptize in the name of the Lord Jesus, another little soul that has come to the Lord, and you know, she's a young girl, 10 years old, but you know, God calls us when we're young like that, and wants to get our hold of our lives when we're just really young and tender, and fill us with his spirit, and I think it's Sister Rachel Shull that was here this morning, she gave her heart, was filled with the Holy Ghost at 10 years old, prayed for her mom and dad that were sinners, uh, drunken people, you know, that were in, in sin, and God filled her parents with the Holy Ghost. So, you know, this is our promise, the promise to us, to our children. And greater than all our sins is the blood of Jesus Christ. Little Sarah Kate, I come in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, commissioned by the Holy Ghost, as Jesus, part of his great commission was to go to the world and baptize those that believe. And then you told us in Matthew to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. In obedience to that divine command, I baptize you, my little sister, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. He came to live, live a perfect life. He came to be the living word of life. He came to die so we'd be reconciled. He came to rise. 